people tend to think that foam is whatever it is the night that they were there or the time their band played there. And that's like their idea. That's what foam is. And I think that's what's cool about it is that it's it's for so many different people. It feels special and it feels like it's theirs and it's intimate and accessible. That's Mick Beauchamp, musician and entrepreneur. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. And this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. By the time you're hearing these words, the St. Louis venue Foam will have become a memory. Its final event was scheduled for December 29th. It had a 10-year run on the corner of Cherokee Street and Jefferson Avenue as an independent venue that was many things to many people. A coffee shop, late night, night spot, and performance space. Foam was a place where local bands got off the ground and where touring groups on the experimental end of the spectrum found a friendly outpost on the road. But the eclectic nature of the space went well beyond music. At least two comedy nights got started there, as did a popular karaoke night. It was a gathering space, whether for the Cherokee Business Association or a panel discussion about sexual harassment in the music industry. Mick Boshan started working there not long after it opened in 2009, and he bought it five years later. He and Caitlin Franz manage it, and they alerted the world in January 2019 that Foam was in danger of going out of business. Now they've indeed reached the end of the line. I spoke with them about Foam's special place in St. Louis and what its closure may mean about the local music scene here. It's it's a, a mixed uh, bag of emotions. Really looking forward to these next three shows and uh, enjoying uh, my, the time I have left with Foam and... I'm looking forward to what's next and taking it easy, maybe. So, Mick, you started working at Foam in 2009, uh, not long after Mike Lodek opened the place. Was there any particular significance to that job to you at the moment? Did you, were yeah, you... absolutely. Um, at the time, I was a barista was my day job. I actually didn't have bartending experience going into that situation. My buddy, Evan Solt, uh from Sleepy Kitty told me you know, about this new place that just opened up Foam and he thought I'd be a good fit there. And uh, turns out I was a pretty good fit there. I uh, started booking shows uh, within the first year I started working there and it really blossomed, it turned into a thing and bands were asking to play all the time. Um, turned into like a, a booking manager sort of thing um, on top of the barista bartending gig. And you're a musician as well? I am, yeah. That's that's part of why I was interested at Foam, because when I walked in there, I saw the stage in this, in this cool room, in this cool neighborhood, and saw a lot of potential there. And I saw enough really great touring bands come through playing to an empty room because Mike didn't really have experience putting on shows. So that's when I stepped up and started pairing these these bands with appropriate locals, and that whole DIY model really blossomed there. Kaylin, how did you get into the mix? I've known Mike for a really long time, um, and then we, it was almost three years ago we started dating, and so we joke because he always says, this is my partner, Caitlin. Most people assume that means business partner. I think anybody in, who has a loved one involved in a small business ends up being a partner to that in some capacity or mm. another because that's just the way it goes. So what have you been doing at Foam? So for the last year and a half or two years, I've kind of managed the back end accounting and staffing kind of side of things. 
that, because it's such a small operation, it just ends up being something we work on daily kind of together. And I understand that's been somewhat of a, a labor of love in the past year or so, right? Definitely. I think we've just been trying to figure out an exit plan for a while, um, but also because it means so much to so many people, you know, including Mick and me, that um, we want to make sure that it was a graceful exit. And it's at a really uh, a high-profile location in the neighborhood at the corner of Cherokee and Jefferson. Since 2009, how has the neighborhood around around that corner changed? Fun was the first bar to open on the street since a moratorium on liquor sales was lifted that dates back to the 90s. Oh. And since then, I can't even count how many bars have opened. A whole slew of other venues and bars have opened. And now it's a, an entertainment district, I'd say. And it, it, you wouldn't describe it like that at all 10 years ago? No, that wasn't the vibe. Um, Galen Gandolfi was doing some really cool things more than, I'd say, about a decade before phone came along, but he could never secure a liquor license over at Radio Cherokee, if anybody remembers that spot. He was a real innovator and forward-thinking dude, and I uh, also learned a lot from him. I feel like he paved the way for what Foam was doing. And in the, in the time that you worked at Foam and then had stewardship over it, it has been many things to many people, right? The, an eclectic kind of list yeah, of different events. I, I feel like uh, so many people have this story of what, what Foam has meant to them, and it's really... It's, that's what I think about when I'm looking at my business bank account that's on zero. And I'm like, well, it's meant a lot more than that to a lot of people. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a coffee shop in, inside Foam there's, as part of Foam. There's a full bar as part of Foam. And I went by there um, on the evening of the last karaoke boom oh, cool. last week and talked to some people. And just hearing different answers from people about what they've come through that door for in the past. Let's listen to, we're going to listen to um, some of those comments. They used to host uh, Sunday morning TV shows. Like, uh, they're an old bartender here, used to show two episodes of Buffy, The Vampire Slayer, every Sunday, every other Sunday. And the alternate Sunday, she would show back-to-back horror movies. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, It's just cozy. It's nice and it's cozy. And the fact that it brings in all these local artists to perform on stage or they had a, they had a play here they had a big um it was faust but a musical a kind of a musical faust farce of faust and it was throughout the entire bar and just you don't see that in places that was david DeRose. so buffy the vampire slayer faust musical uh, it seems like you did everything there yeah that faust musical was a blast my buddy joe taylor from kid scientist reached out about doing their innovative and modern take on Faust. It was part of, I think the theater company is called Era, and it was an immersive theater experience where the audience was part involved in kind of the production um, and dispersed throughout the room. And yeah, it was really cool. So something like Sunday morning horror movies or Buffy, would that be something that someone who worked there just thought was cool? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Uh, you let them run with it? Yeah, that was Lindsay Reber. Kind of like it is a place where someone could say, hey, I'm this idea. And then, you know, like we think about it, would it work? Will it bring, you know, the eventual goal obviously is to create some money so it is sustainable. So will it bring people in the door? Um, And yeah, go ahead, go do it and see if people like it and respond to it. And same kind of model for, oh, you have a band you want to put on a show and you have people coming through town that also play in bands. 
you know, it's not always just music, obviously. It's performing arts kind of genre as a whole. And to that point, genres, people, I think, want to pin it, oh, only punk bands play there or something like that because it is kind of cozy and sometimes a little grungy. But that's not the case necessarily. I cannot even, I couldn't list all the music genres of people who have played there over the years. There's just like yeah. too many. I'd say the most common characteristic of any band playing at foam is that they don't fit in a genre. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what kind of music I gravitate towards because I most things that fit firmly into one genre um, tend to bore me because they become formulaic and derivative. And um, foam is, is a place for bands that are pushing boundaries and expressing themselves, trying to be honest. I do the social media, so I do try and chunk them into some genre, you know, just like for the general public's purpose, like, you know. And mainly it does feel like indie music kind of reigns over everything else, but there's just like world music, folk music, all of it, spoken word. Hip-hop, jazz. (laughs) We could just like sit here and do this forever. Yeah, performance (laughs) art. I think there's a certain vibe about it that's like very important to the independent music scene. I've seen a lot of bands here, younger bands that were just starting out, and it's kind of like a bit of a stepping stone for a lot of people, is that foam is a place to play like for your first or second time and really test the waters. And, and I think that's a very important just thing and you know to have. Is there a particular style of music you'd say flourishes here? Yeah, I think the I think there's just a lot of great like garage rock at Foam is like there's a lot of great just four chord guitar bands that will never go out of style. That was a gentleman named Ray Deffrey, and so I know all of the acts weren't bands having their first or second gig by any means, and you had touring touring groups stopping in St. Louis to come to Foam. But in terms of the importance of a venue like that in the local music scene, what kind of a role does does Foam specifically play in just a healthy local music world. People tend to think that foam is whatever it is the night that they were there uh-huh. <laughs> or the time their band played there. And that's like their idea. That's what foam is. And I think that's what's cool about it is that it's it's for so many different people. And it, I... and it feels special and it feels like it's theirs and it's intimate and accessible. So it sounds like a lot of people had a feeling of personal connection to the venue. Absolutely. For me as well. We're at a time right now where um, the Kranzberg Arts Foundation just opened a, a new venue. The performing the performing space part of it is sort of a smaller part piece of it. It's maybe about a 200-person capacity. But also the people behind Old Rock House just announced that they're going to be building a 1,200-person capacity venue in Midtown slash Grand Center. Um, just read about that. What For, for a, a smaller venue like, what was the capacity at Foam? Uh, 80. 80, okay. What is it like out there to try to keep a place like that in, in business in St. Louis right now? It's like a, walking a tightrope. I think a lot of the people who came to Foam in are going to go to Sinkhole, which is a little less like centralized geographically, but um, has where, a where similar... It's uh, like way down South Broadway. Okay. Um, and they have a recording studio now. Um, and kind of a similar setup where it's like one big cozy room and a small stage area. The business model is very similar, but they're not doing coffee. And just supporting DIY music culture. That's Matt Stutler's 
um, venue. He was the booker for Foam. Yep. A year ago in January 2019, you had a GoFundMe. You launched a, right. a crowdfunding campaign to keep the place in business. Mm-hmm. At the time, you had talked about the monthly receipts just going been going down the previous couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, you ended up pulling in, what, I think about 12500 plus? Yeah, which we, was a- we reached half half of that goal that we, we set. And um, the community response was awesome. It was really heartwarming, and people, I immediately heard from media that wanted to talk about it. And I was like, where were all you guys when we were like, it's like, oh, you might lose this thing, and now everybody's um, really vocal about it and cares. And it, I had mixed feelings about it, but it, ultimately it, it felt really good to have so many people saying what foam meant to them and um yeah, and you can visit, you can visit that page was. now and read all the comments from people talking about why they why they coughed up their twenty bucks or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but you did you got about half of what you were asking for. What? How much of a difference did that make in in your last year? And how has we the last year gone? We wouldn't have made it this far without that. Uh-huh. And uh, I I wound up kicking in as much money from my uh, my other job, and Which that is, was kind what, of what. What's that? What? what I'm, I'm a bartender. Uh, I'm over at the last hotel. Okay. But that got us through, you know, like the next six months and really like helped through what was a not very busy time over the last couple months or early couple months of 2019. Um, Unfortunately, the community saw a pretty low sales Cinco de Mayo, which I don't think anybody was expecting. And that's usually the biggest day of the year profit wise for everyone on Cherokee Street. You're renting that space, right? Yes. Yeah. But you were you you were trying to sell the business. I was trying to sell the business. Um, I reached a point where I was just my labor of love was um, starting to feel like a toxic relationship for me because um, I was giving more than I had to give. Um, but I still didn't want to see foam um, go away. So I let people know. I just tried to be honest with everybody about what's going on and. Some people stepped up that were pretty seriously interested in keeping it going, and uh, a few of them fell by the wayside. Several didn't work out just yeah. because there was a larger real estate deal kind of in play, um, and our landlord needed to wait around to see if that would work out before he could lease it again to another person. So in the end, couldn't, after six months of trying to figure out how to hand it off to someone else, um, a couple different interested parties just it was evident it wasn't going to work out. That's Caitlin Franz. We're talking with her and Mick Boshans about foam. And Cut and Paste will be back after this one little message. Welcome back to Cut and Paste. I am Jeremy Goodwin. We are talking with Mick Boshans and Caitlin Franz about foam, a much-loved venue in St. Louis, which closed after a 10-year run at the end of 2019. And why don't we hear from another person who I ran into at foam, uh, who was talking about why a place like foam is important. This is such an interesting little performance space, and it's a shame to lose it. Small venues are important to small companies and and to independent and just getting started acts and bands and that can't afford to rent out a huge place but could could fill a house this size. 
That was Jen Kerner. She was at Foam for karaoke, but she's also active in the local theater scene. Back to the conversation with Mick and Caitlin. One of the distinctive things about how Mick operated Foam is that he did not take percentage of ticket sales from any of the events that happened there. That went straight to the band or to the performing organization. I asked him how that worked. Yeah, that's that's the model that I grew up operating in. And it's, it's what worked really well for the bands and made it such a popular spot because you could play there and you'd at least make enough to get to your next destination or or better depending on how many times you've been through and um, who you're playing with here. Might, might Foam have been on a firmer financial footing if you were less generous about things like that? It's hard. It's tough to say because I feel like what made Foam popular was that model. Mm-hmm. So I, I had talks with um, Matt, my booker, about different tweaks we could do with that arrangement and we both kept coming back to the idea that like Foam loses its identity and relevance when we start doing that. When it becomes less accessible, and less accessible to a, a lower budget group. Yeah, and the other thing to consider is like you'd have ticket prices going up, bands would make less money, and if the room sold out, that's that's eighty dollars. Say I took one dollar from every person that went in, um, the other four dollars went to bands. Like it's it still doesn't make that big of a difference. I think um, most venues are making money off of the bar. Mm-hmm. So if you're allowing under 21 shows, or then you're not really making that. that and we experience some of that, you know, like yeah. where most of the people who show up don't drink. Then. That's, a, that's another thing that uh, I, is worth talking about. We never once charged a minor surcharge at Foam. Um, I never thought it was right to penalize kids for not being able to buy booze. So while it's not a great business model, it was kind of an ethical standard that we held ourselves to. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it, it's kind of a mix. Foam is kind of a mix of a of a for-profit bar club and a DIY space. I yeah. think about that a lot. How how things maybe would have been different if for the last five years it operated as a nonprofit or something like that. Officially, <laughs> mm-hmm. legally speaking, yes. Because you you neither of you have been taking a salary for. A, a while, right? Correct. Um, it was what two, three years ago that when when Caitlin started punching the numbers, doing the books for me, she was like, "You should get a second job. That's Foam's best um, chance of succeeding. Because as long as you're trying to draw any income from this, um, you're just digging a hole." So the the idea was to get H- Foam you, to break even. Had you been even. living off of Foam for a period of time? Um, yeah, actually, that's that's kind of why I what I bought the business because I loved my day job. And then um, my day job turned into my life, my identity, my, I, I was just eating, sleeping, breathing foam. Um, it got to be a little much. I feel like so many people who own small businesses can relate to that. Like there, you never have a moment off. Um, and the profit margins aren't guaranteed, and you spend every moment of your day working on a thing that you hope will be successful. Um, yeah, there was. It, it became also a bit of an identity crisis for me because I identify as a musician first, not a businessman. And it would it'd be weird to go into a bar and have some guy look at me like he knows me, and 
realize he doesn't know me, but he's drunk enough to say, to point at me and say, foam. And I'll just be like, <laughs> hi. Foam guy. Foam guy. Yep, that's me, foam guy. All right. Which, in sort of trying to figure out, like, what your identity is after foam closes, you know, I said to him, you're still, you'll still be the foam guy. Like, no one's going to stop pointing at you and saying that. But maybe you'll have, you know, some time to get back to playing music, which I think you've said before is is what really makes you happy. And not carry the... passion not carry the weight and stress of will I be able to pay my bills and not just working a second job but you went into debt to keep to keep foam yeah I, yes I, I've been afraid of debt my whole life and did a really good job of staying out of it until I bought a business so um, I'm gonna start whittling away at that and um, I think part of the key to that is to stop digging that hole mm. and on the topic of just what phone meant to people. Let's hear from Tommy Twix. It's just been a great venue. Just see a lot of art and culture in St. Louis. Is, is there another venue you would compare it to in St. Louis? I mean, could I compare foam to any other venue? No, there are other venues we go to, but foam will always be a special place. More than likely a special place. I don't think any place could replace foam in the magic. I'm so sad to see it go also. Wow. Have you heard that kind of thing from people? Yeah. I have. Yeah, people have poured their hearts out in similar fashion and uh, makes me feel really great about what we accomplished and that we were able to provide this space for people for a decade. It's been a a wild ride. I think there'll definitely be a whole, not only for the numbers, like, I think St. Louis could need an, could use another 100, 120 max person capacity room to get that kind of intimacy that phone provided when you're watching a show, but also someone else who would provide that many bands the opportunity, bands and performers, to, to just have a stage to perform on without any sort of pretense of like, am I going to make X number of dollars tonight, um, which I don't think Mick was particularly concerned about when making a lot of those booking calls. So, and people, people saying thank you to you when they when they see you. Yeah, uh, I've gotten a lot of that. A lot of people reaching out via Facebook um, and uh, in person talks in bars, running into people, and uh, the community outpour. F- for the GoFundMe campaign was really moving and encouraging. And um, since we've announced our eventual closure, a lot of people have been doing the same. I don't think a lot of people say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear about it. They say thank you yeah. to him. Yeah. Which is, I think, a little bit different than when a, you know any other small business close is like a little more heartfelt and just kind of represents how important it's been to a lot of people. Yeah, I think Foam succeeded in what I wanted it to do, what wanted it to be. I didn't go into this thing thinking I'm going to make a bunch of money and this is my career. Maybe if I had, um, I would have done that, but not all those other things we've been talking about. And I think those other things are more important. 
That's Mick Beauchans. We were talking with him and Caitlin Franz about the late, great St. Louis venue, Foam. And this has been Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast, produced with help from our executive editor, Shula Newman. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts.